The judges contain a history of the people of Israel before the time of the kings. In those pages, you see some dark days. Even the leaders have tragic failures. But in the epilogue, we find the book of Ruth. It features two tremendous characters who remind us of a faithful and redeeming God. We can certainly do a character study of Ruth, but today we're going to be looking at the man in this story and what we can learn about what manhood looks like. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. Season 2, Episode 18. My name is Charlie, and this week we finally have our special friend Alexander back with us again. Welcome back to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've been up to some pretty big things here recently in your life. Yeah, yeah. Want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, Well, I got married. Uh, Married life is awesome. Like, highly recommend. It's been great. Uh, We had a wonderful wedding. Some very special people to us, uh, you know, came and celebrated, and it was just wonderful. And then we had a great uh, honeymoon in Colorado, and that was great too. Uh, and now it's just kind of been trying to get back into the the swing of life, as well as you know, trying to get our house together and all that. So it's just been a really busy summer. It's been a very blessed summer, uh, of course. But very glad to be back on the podcast with Charlie, and hopefully that this will continue to be a blessing to y'all. Oh yeah, the favorite interracial friends talking about Jesus are back once again. We're back. Um, and we've also got some big news about the podcast now. We're we're moving up. We may have an addition of a website coming up here. Yes. Pretty soon. Yeah. We'll about that. Yeah. So uh, the website it's you know www.thepilgrimsong. We'll leave a link here uh, and on our Instagram. And basically what we want to do, it's going to have all of our episodes that you can go and check out, but we're also going to have some blog posts. I'm going to try to have one out every week, uh, every Friday. And those are just going to be additional encouragement, some other things to think about, particularly addressing uh, even more than we do on the podcast, but other things that are going on in the world and thinking biblically about those and how you can handle them uh, and maybe even talk to your friends. So hopefully that you'll not only listen to the podcast, but you'll also be able to read something and that will be encouraging to you as well. Yeah, that's I'm really looking forward to having that up. It looks super, super great. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, super glad to have you guys back with us again. Uh, I wanted to say a quick thank you guys. I got a lot of messages uh, and, and texts after the, the last two episodes with Barry Mason. Um, if you did not get a chance to listen to them, I highly recommend it. He had a lot of advice that I think all of us can apply to our lives in some way. Um, but really do appreciate all the love that you guys sent to me and to Mr. Barry. And I passed all that on to him as well. And he was super, super appreciative. So hopefully that won't be the last time that we have him back on the show. I know he's got a lot more that he could talk about with us for sure. Uh, But this week, we are going to move on to our third installment of the Character Study Series. Uh, And this week, we're going to give Boaz some love. And this was actually Alexander's idea. And so, I just want to ask, why Boaz? All right. Uh, You're not on the internet a ton, or social media, so I'm assuming you don't know who Andrew Tate is? No, I don't. Yeah, okay. So, Andrew Tate, like, I didn't know about him until this week, but he's one of those kind of alpha dudes who gets on the on youtube and says that women are foolish and he's all about getting money and like his entire i think career has been made off of 
casinos. He's also had some run-ins with like sex trafficking and all that. So he's just kind of a, he's a rough character, but he gets on these platforms and basically tells everybody, you know, this is what it looks like to be a man. This is how you're supposed to act to be a man. Um, and as absurd and as unbiblical as he is, I fear that a lot of men, and especially young men, look up to characters like him because they don't have either strong male influences or a real biblical foundation for their manhood. Um, so to the contrast, we have the character we're looking at in Boaz, who is wholesome and caring and hardworking and a leader. Um, so while Boaz is not Jesus and not perfect the way that he is, he's still a character that we can learn a lot from. So I wanted to take some look a look into him this week. Does, uh, does Andrew, is he a religious man or claim to be so? Uh, sort of. He, he, he pits Christianity and Islam against each other. And he, he basically says that because Christians are weak, they used to be cool during the Crusades, but now they're weak. Oh, so he goodness. wants to be a, a Muslim now. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Not, not the, not a Woo. quality character. <laughs> Anybody, anyone who says the Crusades were the best time of Christianity is interesting dude yeah yeah it's a it's a hot take so does he have a lot of followers yes a lot so good so glad people like that followers it's just wild yeah um so boaz though yeah um so what we want to do is just kind of start right off the bat is to kind of go into who boaz is if you may not know or maybe you don't remember um but as alexander said he is a character that's introduced in the book of ruth which, in my opinion, is actually kind of an underrated book. I feel like we like mention Ruth a lot, mm-hmm. but we never study the book of Ruth. I don't yeah. know if you agree with that or not. Like, I feel like people always like, like I've heard a lot of people say their favorite book is Ruth, but then we never like have Bible studies. Yeah, anymore. maybe it's like one of those things where it's only the women study like Ruth and Esther and Proverbs yeah. thirty-one, and that's a that's a that's a shame because Ruth really is, is excellent. A lot of good lessons there. It's a really sure. cool story. Absolutely, it's a beautiful story and very well written too. Um, but yeah, no, I love Ruth. It's a really solid book and, and maybe it's cause it's just so short. People are like, oh, I don't want to study on Ruth cause it's just, you know, a short story. So, you know, just go home and read it for yourself. But no, I think there's a lot of stuff that could be gleaned from it. Mm. Uh, so uh-huh. as you also mentioned, uh, gleaned this, from it. Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't even realize it. Oh, uh, it's good. Yeah. In case you guys forgot, that's how they mean this with our gleaning teeth or grain. Um, okay, so <laughs> as you mentioned in the introduction, uh, like Alexander said, this takes place during the time of the Judges, uh, which is a really dark struggle in Israel's history. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people look at the book of Judges and say, man, that was when Israel was on top of their game. That's, it's pretty much the exact opposite. That's some of the worst times in Israel's history when you see the, the downward spiral that Israel was going through. Uh, during that time, trying to find a, a quote-unquote leader that really isn't God, ultimately, through that. Um, but in all that really kind of sadness, you have this really, really cool story that ultimately is connected in a pretty deep way to the rest of Scripture as well. So in that, you have uh, a woman named Naomi, uh, and she has a husband and two sons. They live in Bethlehem. They're Israelites. Uh, there's a big famine that's going on, so they move to Moab. The father and both sons die, uh, and so all we're left with is Naomi and the two women that her sons had married named Orpah and Ruth, so her two daughters-in-laws. So Naomi, after that, uh, you know, being a widow uh, in that time was not an easy thing for sure, so she is 
she's going to move back to uh, her home back in Israel again, you know, leave Moab, uh, and convinces Orpah to stay behind and tries to convince Ruth as well. But what you see right off the bat is Ruth's faithfulness and her loyalty that she has to Naomi. She truly loves her mother-in-law uh, and wants to be there with her and help her through her time of being a widow because Ruth was also a widow. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they share this bond together and Ruth's going to stick with her. So they, they move back to Israel together. Uh, and when we get there, uh, we see they need food, obviously. So uh, under the old law, a really cool thing that was a part of that is that if you were a farmer, if you were a field owner, uh, the is it the two last rows of your field? Is it the two yeah, last it's two? Just the outer just edges, the outer yeah. yeah. Are, are left for the, the sojourner. Uh, for the traveler, uh, and then for people like Ruth and Naomi as well, who are widows and, and don't have a means of income and a means of getting food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Ruth goes out to uh, get some grain from this field. Uh, the field that she just so happens to be uh, uh, picking grain from is uh, of a farmer named, or of a, a landowner named Boaz. Um so it turns out, though, that Boaz is not just some random guy. He's actually their, what's called their family redeemer. And this is an interesting law to me uh, that's given uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 25 when Moses is kind of restating the law to the people before they go into the land. Uh, he talks about this idea of there being a family redeemer, which is basically if uh, a man has a brother or a close relative uh, who is married, and the, the husband dies, then he becomes responsible to take care of the widow, to specifically to make her his wife. And if they agree to it, then they move on as married. Uh, and if he doesn't agree to it, then he kind of becomes like a, I don't want to say like a laughing stock in the town, but it doesn't really look good for him mm-hmm. if he decides to disagree to it. Um, he gets spat upon in his face by the widow in front of the town elders and then gets branded as being you know, basically not a nice person after that. And so that's this case with Naomi. Her husband passed away and they have a close family member named Boaz, uh, who is then supposed to step up and be this family redeemer. And so what Naomi decides with Ruth is that, Hey, you know, if we can convince him to marry you, then, you know, he can help save us. That way, you know, we don't have to, you know, be without, a husband moving forward we can, we can continue our life and so they they do that Ruth ends up convincing Boaz but it really isn't that hard to convince him honestly um, Boaz is a really really nice guy that you see through this um, there ends up being a relative that's technically closer and Alexander and I were laughing about him before the story he decides he doesn't want to marry a Moabite which is Ruth and so Boaz is granted by the town's elders this right to be able to marry Ruth uh, and to be able to get Naomi's, uh, all of her land and, and possessions and things like that. Uh, it's really interesting as well in this story to kind of see Boaz's character through this. and something that we're going to talk about in the next section. But the really cool thing is that, you know, you never see him get burdened by any of this at all. He's extremely generous. He's very, very nice. He treats Ruth and Naomi with, with a great deal of respect and mm-hmm. a great deal of love. And so you see Ruth's loyalty to Naomi, but you also see Boaz's loyalty to Ruth and Naomi too, and being willing to, to help them in this way. Um, another really cool part of the story is that you never see God 
like mentioned in this story behind like you have some of the characters will mention God, but you never see like there's not this like the narrator doesn't talk about God bringing about something to happen or God providing this way for Ruth. Like mm-hmm. it never actually mentions that. You know he's there. You know he's in the story in the background, and he comes out in a really really cool way at the end. Um, but you never have this direct mention that you know God told Naomi to move back or God told Boaz to do this or. God sent Ruth into Boaz's field. Like it, it, there's not, there's nothing like that in the story. You see this really, really beautifully uh, written and this this really beautiful story that occurred in Israel's history happen. Um, and yeah, so I, I really think that's that's super cool and super interesting. Uh, but then at the end, we have this kind of really cool thing that happens where Ruth and Boaz, when they get married, they have a son, and his name is Obed, and Obed is the grandfather of none other than David. And through that lineage, we eventually have Jesus. So we have this beautiful relationship of Ruth and the family redeemer Boaz, that we ultimately uh, have the true redeemer, Jesus, comes about through this in the end. Um, And, you know, we can't have a Pilgrim Song podcast without talking about Jesus. So that's really, really cool that you see his line going through Ruth and Boaz. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big overview of the story of Ruth, uh, and, and of Boaz. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think it was a really great summary. Uh, and Ruth is only four chapters if you're not familiar. And actually in the Hebrew Old Testament, Judges and Ruth are together. So Ruth literally is the conclusion of the book of Judges. So when you read through the kind of hopelessness that comes about the end of it, uh, at least for me especially, is always pointing towards this redemptive arc that even though Israel has gone so far, God is still looking for a way to redeem them. So as Charlie mentioned a few times, it is a beautiful book, and uh, it just kind of shows God's faithfulness even in a book that doesn't mention him directly as much as you would think. Yeah, um, that's really, I honestly, I think I knew that, but I completely forgot that that, was the, that they were part of the same book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's really really cool because you definitely do not have judges ending in a great in a great way. No. You stop the book there, but then if you just continue it into Ruth, maybe maybe, maybe that's the solution. Because <laughs> I've had a lot of studies on the book of Judges, yeah. not a lot of studies on the book of Ruth. Yeah, it maybe it's to, time to for sure slap them back together. <laughs> study, listeners, if you ever have a study on the book of Judges, highly recommend that you don't conclude with was it Judges twenty one, mm-hmm. that you keep going into Ruth. Absolutely. Well worth it. That's true. That's a really good. Yeah. 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 All right. We don't present problems on the Pilgrim Song. We present solutions. Amen. So, (laughs) no, that's, yeah. So that's Boaz overall uh, in a nutshell. Uh, It honestly almost took me as long to summarize it as it would if you just read the four chapters. (laughs) So I highly recommend that if you guys haven't read Ruth Ruth in a while, recommend you go into it. Super, super, super cool story. Um, So that's who Boaz is. But we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to dive into the lessons that we can learn from Boaz.
So there are some really important that we, lessons that we get out of root. I'm going to start that again. La la la. Now, there are a lot of really important lessons that we can gain from Ruth, but as we look at Boaz in particular as a character, there's some things I really want to note about his character and about his practice. Uh, Charlie already mentioned this in his opening talk about him, but in the law, specifically Leviticus 19, it talks about the responsibility of those who had more uh, property and more privilege. He says that when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the, your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. So sometimes I think that when we read a book like Ruth or Leviticus, we forget that we are not living in, this book was not written to 21st century Americans. It was written to people who did not have a welfare state, who did not have food stamps. If you lost your property, you lost your family, especially women in this time, death was pretty much guaranteed or getting taken advantage of. So it's a dangerous and fearful time for women. So when we see Boaz, who con in contrast to everybody else in Judges, who was just doing whatever they wanted to, doing what was right in their own eyes, then we have Boaz where he is actually keeping the law. And leaving this for specifically for uh, those who are poor and specifically a sojourner in, in Ruth. So I think that is, as we've already mentioned, Ruth does not mention specifically God doing this by name. But Boaz's actions reflect someone who already has a respect and a fear for God and a reverence towards his word uh, and a care for those who are less fortunate. So right from the get-go, before Boaz even gets in the story, just like the idea of her going to his field and being able to glean there, that shows a lot of Boaz's character. Um, so Ruth ends up in this field, and in verse 8 and verse 9, after Boaz hears about the story, uh, or hears about Ruth, he says, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the men have drawn. So we see that Boaz is a trusted character, and it's not just by Ruth and not just by Naomi, but by a lot of women. Uh, there is, if you go back to the judges, it's a hard, it's very difficult to read, because a lot of what happens is the taking advantage of women. To the contrast, what we see is Boaz, who is not going to do that, and not just that, but he's going to keep the other men who are underneath him from doing the same thing. Uh, we also see that he's providing those water for those who are out in the field, going above and beyond in his service. Um, we see that he affords her extra protections, and he leaves extra behind so that Ruth and the other women can, get, can gather even more than they normally would have. Um, so it's just... Again, in just a little bit, we learn so much about Boaz's character, the fear of the Lord that he has, willing to listen to his his word, in contrast to a lot of Israel. And we see that his respect and care uh, for Ruth and for all these people who are in a position where they are poor or they're from way out of town, whatever the situation is, he really cares about them. So 
I think that's just tremendous right off the bat. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point, especially seeing the art coming off of Judges as well, because you you really do see like the degradation of. It's actually an interesting storyline to look through Judges. Mm-hmm. It's like let's see how women are treated throughout Absolutely. this book. And you start off with Othniel, who goes to war and wins the city because you know he wants to win uh, Caleb's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you see like you know the respect and you know the love of a woman. And then you're finishing off with Samson, and you obviously know Samson treats women just so well. Mm. Uh, and then the really sad story of the of the Levite and uh, Micah and the Levite and the yeah. warning and all that kind of stuff that happens. And, and you just see some really just awful things kind of go on there toward the end of Judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, you get this cool redeeming arc. Like, you, like it's almost like Samson and Boaz are like, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for when they're opposite of like almost yeah. direct opposites of each other? Sure. Where Samson, like you said, and all the people of Israel do what's right in their own eyes, and specifically treating women like they're just garbage. And then you have Boaz, who does what's right in the eyes of God, is obviously keeping the law and treats women with love and respect and loyalty. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, really cool thing that you can see between the two. So, absolutely, yeah, there you go. That's fantastic. Adds on to Charlie's point. Keep reading. Read into Ruth. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> um, so in Ruth three, that's when they start learning about Boaz's actual like responsibility as a redeemer towards uh, both Ruth and Naomi. So what happens is that Ruth has to put herself in a very vulnerable position, uh, going in at night uh, to basically ask Boaz, you know, will you be my redeemer? And Without going into any extra detail, Boaz could have easily taken advantage of this situation. Um, there, but he doesn't. Like the story just says, not only does he, so he wakes up, he questions, you know, why is she here? Because if someone woke up at your at the feet of your bed, that would be a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. um, but he makes sure that he not only respects her when she comes in, but he does his due diligence to listen to the law. He understands that there is a redeemer between him and another man. And as Charlie mentioned out of Deuteronomy 25, the rule is the one who is closest to her. So he goes and he makes sure that he's going to go out and he's going to make sure that he's listening to the law and he's going to go before the elders and he's going to hand over the sandal and all the other stuff that maybe seems trivial to us. The fact that he is willing to go out and do it shows, again, his respect for the law, but also he cared about Ruth and about being the right type of man for this redeeming role. And not only that, but before he sends her home that morning, he gives her more food to take home. And just for me, like rereading it, preparing for this, uh, this podcast, I was just like, I mean, every t- at every opportunity, he's finding a little bit extra that he can do in order to help out, in order to serve, in order to show his type of kindness. So he goes, and the next morning, again, right after this, all this situation happens, he goes and he goes and handles his business. And that was one of the things that I really admire about Boaz. I need to be doing better f- as for myself. Is like, I I love procrastinating or even setting alarm for later in the day. So, oh yeah, this is when I need to do this task. But Boaz is right on it. He's going to do uh, the task as soon as it needs to be done, as soon as he has the opportunity. So I think that's pretty admirable. Um, so yeah, any other big things that you see in the story? No, I really like that point that you brought out about him <clears throat> going out and doing his business. Honestly, didn't even really think about that, but that's no, a really good point that he still, he stayed dedicated not only to 
Ruth and Naomi, but he also stays dedicated to his life yeah. you know, work as well, which yeah. is really interesting to see him being able to take on and handle all of that. You know, what I would see is just an incredibly stressful situation. And I look at like the things that I think are highly stressful in my life, and then I'm like, oh, Boaz, who dealt with a lot more, mm-hmm. and then also had to deal with this on top of all that, and never complains about it, and mm-hmm. just kind of takes it on and does it. So, yeah. yeah, it's a call to me to be better about juggling my own life. So, yeah, not trying to take you off guard completely here, but. The man who Boaz goes and talks to about this, who does want the field but doesn't want Ruth, do you think that the narrator or the story is specifically trying to contrast Boaz actually having care for Ruth more than his field? Do you think that is important as well? Yeah, that's exactly what he's trying to do in that. Because you see such a, like, he's all about it when he gets up to the field. And then, like, what we were looking at before, as soon as Boaz, like, and you also get this Moabite woman as a wife. And he's like... Yeah, you can buy it. Here's my sample. Like, mm-hmm. I, he's just like, he's all about it, and then he's not all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Gets to Ruth. I think that really does show that he does not care about Ruth. He just wanted the money mm-hmm. and the land that came with being the redeemer. Uh, and Boaz cared more about Ruth in that mm-hmm. situation. So. For sure. So, at least that's, I didn't want to act like I was reading too much in the no, text, I, so I, I want to see your that's opinion. Exactly why we have it. But yeah, so I, I think that contrast is really important to see where, where Israel was so focused on what they could see in front of their eyes and what was what was going to benefit them in the moment at that point. Ruth coming in, I think from a, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to call a value standpoint, she's a Moabite sojourner woman coming into this environment. She can add no value to what Boaz has if you're just going to place it that way. But the reality is Boaz, just as the law and just as God sees her as infinitely valuable and is willing to go out of his way to redeem her, bring her into his family, and to bring uh, offspring into this world. So I just think that, uh, again, when thinking of a really good male character in scripture, Boaz is one of the top uh, because he really goes out of his way to serve in each and every way. I think that's really important for us to see. So, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, I think those are just kind of some of the bigger parts that we learn from Boaz, stuff about his character. But as we think more about, you know, as we love to do on the Pilgrim Song, thinking more about how we apply this, uh, we're going to have a little bit of discussion about that and something that you can take away and hopefully is going to bless you. We'll be right back. As I mentioned before, men like Andrew Tate scare me. And it's not because I'm personally convinced by them at all, nor do I think Charlie is. But there are minds that are influenced by men like him, both young and old. However, our goal, both as Christians and on this podcast, are not just to point out the absurd, because that's far too easy, but it is to show a better way. The respect and the fear of God are seen as, I think, in our culture as a negative thing. Um, 
but it's actually the opposite of bad, you know, it's, it's a good thing. Boaz's respect for God's law leads him to show love to the sojourner as God had called his people to do. So often when Israel fails to do the right thing or when they fail to uphold God's law, we see the destruction of their own people. We see destruction of women, all these other problems that come about. And I think that's very similar in our in our world. The more that people forsake or cut God out of their lives, then you stop being accountable to someone. You stop seeing that there is objective value to every human and how you should treat them and respect them. Those problems are very severe in our culture. Um, I think just the idea that we have a continued problem with sex trafficking shows that humans are not seen with the dignity that they should be. So in contrast to that, when you have a fear of God's law and a respect for what God has said, you're going to honor him in all things that you do. So the fear of God did not stop with Boaz as just knowing the law, but it was practically living out the love of the law and the dedication that, to it that we're supposed to have. So Boaz does that in how he treats his field and his property. It has to do with how he treats Ruth and Naomi. Um, it sh shows how he treats the people around him. Um, and I think that's really important for us to gain the lesson from. That when we truly respect God, it means that we live morally upright lives to honor him and to serve him. Uh, and, you know, that's the importance of knowing your scripture and not just, you know, knowing it in intellectually, but it it must become practical. It must be lived out. Um, it can't simply just sit with you. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. Um, do you think the reason why this is such an issue for us today is because we are letting people like Andrew Tate or like maybe like a previous generation, like, you know, like John Wayne movies, like very like mainstream people with a lot of followers or actors in movies. Do we think it's because we're letting them define what quote unquote like true masculinity is, why we have such problems like we do? Yeah, yeah. I think that there is just in our in our culture there is this combination of a battle between I think feminizing men, but also if you're not gonna be a feminized man, then you have to be this uber macho, uh, stoic, completely, you know, on the other side of that at scale. And I remember seeing like, you know, this idea of men don't cry and that, you know, that's been told to me a lot. But then when I look up to the ultimate man in Jesus, he cries. And because there are things that are truly sorrowful about this world. Um, but I think where we learn about Boaz is here is the place between both of those. There is compassion and mercy to be shown, but there is also leadership and hard work and dedication uh, that needs to be shown as well. So we just need to kind of get the idea of what cultural masculinity is out of our head and focus on what God has called both men to do and for women to do as well. No, I think that's fantastic. Point. And it's tough, right? Because you're fighting an uphill battle because you're not only shown those things in, in the culture around us and media and forms like that, but you know, you're also taught probably by your parents as well. Mm. Like the idea of, you know, like you said, like men don't cry, you know, stuff like that. And, um, a lot of, you know, what would be our ideas of what true manhood is and how we should behave as men comes from seeing, you know, our father figures in our life, whether that's our dads or granddads or, you know, family friends that you, you know, knew someone that you respected, other men that you've seen, how they've acted is how you're also going to think that you should act as mm -hmm. well. And so um, hopefully you have those good influences on your life. And, um, but you can also read stories like this, like of Boaz, right? And you Absolutely. Can, you can look at the, 
how Boaz lived, and and maybe it is countercultural, right? And I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. But using him as a as a as a model for what true God, uh, godly manhood is, versus you know the other people that you're going to see around. You. Absolutely. And I, again, we've mentioned this a few times, but just looking at the contrast between how the men acted in Judges, as Charlie mentioned, specifically Samson versus Boaz, it's night and day. So I, th- I think if you want to show what the true fear of God looks like and what a true masculine uh, character looks like, look no further than Boaz. Um, <clears throat> I think a big part of this that we've already been addressing a little bit also uh, addresses how God has called men to lead. So if people are saying that, you know, males don't need to be leaders, I think that further, nothing could be further from the truth. Men need to be leaders. They need to be strong. Uh, they need to be respecters of God above all things. Uh, they need to be protectors of wives, children, and to practice both justice and mercy. Now, Boaz, in the story, we see he does all of those things. And through his respect for the Lord, uh, he creates the line or a line to David and, as was already mentioned, to Jesus. So, I mean, what we see from Boaz is he is a strong person. He's a hard worker. He is a leader. But he's also very kind and very humble. Uh, He shows his leadership both with the younger men who are working under him and also with the elders in chapter 4 when he's you know, working out this deal to become the kin- the kinsman redeemer. So it's just both in his relations to women with relations to people of all age groups, Boaz is a character who shows all the characteristics of being a humble leader. And I, I mean, it's hard to get better than him. There is yeah. Jesus, but Boaz is a pretty e- exceptional character for yeah. sure. That's super interesting because it's, it's interesting to see because those are all the same characteristics that I think David presents at the beginning mm. of his life, really, in the beginning of him taking the throne as well. Obviously, you know, I think you have power probably being the biggest thing that eventually goes to David's head, and mm. you seem to act very grossly towards other women. Specifically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at that. for sure. Uh, and then just the, the pain that that brings to him and his family and the rest of his life after that. Um, but like I can just see, I just imagine the reason why David behaves the way that he does is, is because it was taught to him by Jesse, mm-hmm. which was taught to him by um, not Zilpah, uh, Obed, which was taught to him by Boaz, right? Mm-hmm. So like you see, Boaz respects women, you know, respects the word of God, respects his law, keeps it. I'm gonna guess Obed probably did too. Jesse, I think we see, right, also gonna be doing that, and then eventually passes it on to David. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that you see. The next person that you see in that line, David, you know, at the beginning of his life, before he gets all of his power, also behaves, I think, in a really good. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I I mean, there's not enough good that I can, for, for a guy who only has three chapters, like, I mean, yeah. even in the first chapter, Ruth, he's not featured. But for a guy who only has three chapters that are written, even parts of his life, there's just so much that we can glean from it. And I think he does, as a character, point to Jesus and ultimately what he calls, I think, both all followers, but specifically to men to do as well. Um, this understanding that the fear of God leads us to righteousness. And this idea that, I mean, we need to stop listening to, we've already mentioned this, but we need to stop listening to the broader society because either it demonizes manhood and strength and leadership, but it also 
imp, you know, goes way too far when it comes to what masculinity is. I, you know, Andrew Tate is like an awful example, like horrible dude. But there's even people that I highly respect, like Jordan Peterson, who I think, while he may give some good advice, it's not tempered with the love and the compassion of Christ. It's not tempered with the cross. So it's ultimately going to fall short of what men are actually called to do and what people are called to do to truly improve their lives. So kind of getting rid of the cultural influence, we need to be looking towards the higher call of Christ in respect and fear and love and service of him. And as a result, when we serve God above all things, the people around us will be helped and served and loved as well. So we just have to remember to, as Boaz did, keep our ideals focused on who Christ is or focused on God, and then that's going to transform everything about us. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Fantastic. Yeah. So, another character study down, Boaz. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about Boaz before we no. get out of here? Super great guy. All right. Super great guy. Amen. <laughs> so we are so thankful for you guys for listening. It's been good to be back on the podcast with my buddy Charlie, and we hope this encourages y'all. We hope to see you in the next week. Don't forget to check out the Pilgrim song. Uh, I'll have the link here and on our Instagram. Thank y'all, and have a blessed week. See you in the next one.